We're here today with a dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. Despite being warned that women can't talk in church, Dr. Lewis was ordained in the Presbyterian Church USA, and she talks in church almost every day. She's the first African-American and first woman to serve as senior minister in the Collegiate Church, which was founded in New York City in 1628. Her books include The Power of Stories, a guide for leading multiracial and multicultural congregations, also 10 Essential Strategies to Grow a Multiracial Multicultural Congregation, and a children's book, You Are So Wonderful. Her newest book, Fierce Love, A Bold Path to Ferocious Courage and Rule-Breaking Kindness That Can Heal the World, will be released on November 9th, and you can pre-order it today. Also, we are very grateful that Dr. Lewis has been featured speaker at some of our conferences. So um, you can learn more about uh, Dr. Lewis at JackieJLewis.com. That's G-A-C, excuse me, J-A-C-Q-U-I-J-L-E-W-I-S.com. So Jackie, welcome, and uh, it's so wonderful to have you join us again. Brian, it's good to be with you. It is like getting back together with an old friend. Thank you so much for all the good things you're doing in the world. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I mean, it's been wonderful that we've had the opportunity to collaborate several times. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've always admired your work, uh, you know, uh, for all the different things that you're doing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A couple different things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both busy people, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we talk about anything else, can you give yeah. us an update on the status of the Middle Church building, um, the home congregation that you lead that was destroyed by fire almost a year ago. That's right. It, it, it is stunning, stunning to think December 5th will be the one-year anniversary of this fire. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been uh, we certainly have been grieving the loss of the space and all the ways that it held our Hugs and our passing of the peace, which, you know, lasts for 45 minutes sometimes, and our music and our art and our justice and our dreams. The day of the fire, people came to sit shiva, I would say, uh, at the building. It, it burned down due to some asbestos removal at our, our neighbor's place, not being done, I'm going to just say carefully enough. But people... Um, stood across the street and, and prayed and made, you know, food runs and coffee and made a sanctuary outside that day. Um, it was amazing to me. And those of us who were, quote, clergy leaders were just held by our lay people. And we had been separated from each other for since March of 2020 due to COVID. So to see each other with our double masks and our hats, you know, it was a rainy, cool, cold day. It was so amazing, Brian. So how are we doing now? I mean, we, we have been in the wilderness. And I think, um, I, think we, I think we understand that we're in the wilderness. And I think we understand that we are almost, we're almost at a destination, meaning we've been really pursuing two tracks, can we really rebuild on that site? Is it sustainable? Or do we need to look at another place on the south side of the city and see if we can build it out? And those things are beginning to converge, which means I'm super busy, but also <laughs> I can feel, you know, it feels kind of like um, foment and discernment 
and um, you know, lots of helping uh, leaders to, to make this decision together. So we're going to be okay. We're worshiping right now in a, in a church we're renting. It's not too far from our old site, and we're working on technology there and uh, lighting there. Uh, but we're, and we're still online, so people yes. can come check us out yes. at middlechurch.org. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I know that that's been going really well. So, uh, and, and really well. personally, I enjoy because I wouldn't normally be able to see your services if right, I live too right. far away, right? But, right. you know, the joys of technology that, um, you know, at least have uh, helped through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we have welcomed like 500 new members in this last that's amazing. You know, 18 months. It's shocking. You say it and you're like, is that true? It's true. So people found us like you found us and have become a part of our community. So That's just so cool. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, so before we get into books and everything, you know, tell folks a little bit more about your background than what I touched on and all the different things that you've been involved in. Oh my gosh. I had a really beautiful life. <laughs> um, I, you know, I felt called to ministry when I was really young. Uh, when I was, when Dr. King got killed, I was almost nine and I had this sense that I was supposed to follow in his footsteps and, um, to, to be a drum major for peace I had in my mind the place where I was going to be, make sure racism went away and that people would get killed for doing love in the world. And I, I, that never left me, even though I went to corporate America and worked at East Dakota Company because I had science and math aptitude. Uh, so I, I did that a, a kind of a, I'm going to call it almost a detour. But um, yeah, everything I did at Coda HR, you know, made me think about people's psyches and needs I recruited a bunch of brown children to come work at the company, which gave me a chance to do my anti-racist stuff. And then I went to seminary when I was 30 at Princeton, um, which was just the right time to go. I sprinted through MDiv in two and a half years and did urban work in Trenton and felt, I felt that there was something more I wanted to do about religion as a healing um, healing balm as opposed to a divisive uh, tool. And I, that's never gone away either, Brian, to be honest. So I went and got a PhD in psych and religion at Drew and uh, came to study middle church to figure out how, how leaders know how to build multi-ethnic communities. And you can see that I've done a little work on that with two books, maybe three. So it was a joyful experience to find middle as a, a a community to study, and then they kept me, and I got to stay. It's a really wild and wonderful Cirque de Worship, art, dance, puppets, <laughs> drama, uh, but also justice and protests and really trying to organize for a better society and also a caring place. Uh, so diverse, caring, beautiful place. That is my best jam ever. A laboratory for my heart work, my soul work. Well, you're a real role model. I mean, you know, there's just no question about that. What you've done there, you know, is really an example for other people to follow. So uh, you, it's just been amazing work. And, and, you know, we're all grateful for that and for all your contributions in that. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we all do it together. Like have an amazing team and amazing lay leaders, amazing artists. Yeah, do we do it together? So one of the things that, we were just touching on before we started the interview is some, you know, racial justice training that's going on now. Can yes. you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we had done um, 
a justice conference every April uh, for 15 years. Last year was our 15th year. And we, the, the, the 2020 election was gonna take us to Washington DC to partner with our friends at All Souls Church and get right in the belly of the beast, you know, in DC. And then it was March. I mean, the conference was scheduled for April. So in March, my team pivoted and made a digital conference happen. And it was stunning. 600 people came as opposed to our usually three. three, And it was just, oh my God, so beautiful. So last year we did it again, but in the, in the ensuing time, you know, George Floyd is murdered, Breonna Taylor shot, killed, um, Ahmaud Arbery hunted, you know, the, the rash of black dead bodies just hit an all time crazy epidemic in our minds. We know how to train people. We know how to throw, throw a conference. So we decided to offer a series of anti-racist trainings. So some people were writing books and some people were doing, we did trainings and we trained about 6,000 people who came to, you know, one day lab or two day lab, a lot of white uh, progressive allies who wanted to be accomplices. It was such an interesting niche to find that we could do. And so we did it and we, um, learned from it that our conference was beginning to grow and get to be sort of thick, you know, like this more interdisciplinary, more issues. What could you possibly leave out? So environment and race and class and, you know, gay and all this. And so we just decided this year, Brian, to kind of deconstruct the conference, to deconstruct the trainings, to use the anti-racism model of about a 90-minute training that people can really take in well and so this year we're doing that and they're called Freedom Rising Salons. And there's one every month on the third Wednesday and it's a series. So we did indigenous, we're gonna do um, rising to freedom. We're gonna do rising to, uh, to um, anti-racism, you know, rising to women's rights. So we're gonna segment uh, the market, if you will, segment uh, based on people's interests. They can buy the whole series, they can come to one. In April, we'll still do a convening. And so, and, and we also will do a, a King Day free training and a, a Juneteenth free training. So we're, we're gonna stay in the anti-racism business, though we can't you know, get in person right now uh, easily. So many people are still vulnerable and nervous. Uh, these salons are available for you, my friends, to come digitally. And you can find them at middlechurch.org, Freedom Rising. So please come play with us. Well, that is so cool. I mean, I'll, I'll get yeah. the word out about that without without Great. question. So Thank that's you. just that's just wonderful. So now let's talk about books. Uh, <laughs> before we get into the, the the new book, I mean, can you tell us just a little bit about um, the previous books that you wrote? Yeah, so funny. You know, it, it, it is interesting how how I didn't understand that I was an author. <laughs> Well, you know, you're not alone. Like, you're not alone. This is, how, this is how you do it, but I'm not an author, am I? Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm claiming that now and realizing how very much I enjoy it. The first book uh, was the children's book, actually. I was working at a foundation for exceptional children, and it was in D.C. It was really about children with different abilities. And I was sitting at my desk one day. I was the fundraiser. I thought, 
what if there was a book? I just literally just sat down and wrote this book. It, it's rhymed. It's got a kind of Susian rhyme. You are so <laughs> wonderful just because you're you. No one else has eyes like you. You know, no one has a smile like you. And uh, Westminster John Knox, I think, bought it. And it just was illustrated by this guy named Jeremy Togo. And it's beautiful book. He came to to Central Park. And there were Asian kids and Latinx kids and Black kids and kids in a wheelchair, you know, just all the things, uh, kids in a kippa. So he did a really beautiful illustration for a simple winding book. And then Beaming Books, we released it two years ago. And it is just, it is beautiful. So that was my first book. The Power of Stories is my dissertation, actually, mm-hmm. um, that um, Lovett Weems down at um, Seminary in D.C., this is a tired brain today. They picked it up in their leadership series and did it. And it, it's very practical, practical theology. And both of these books are how do we story a diverse culture? How do we uh, narrate an inclusive community, increase our tribes? That's my undertone in those books. And then John and I, my husband and I, wrote 10 Essential Strategies. We had a notebook that we had created for our conferences that was literally, here's how you do worship. You know, here's how you do care. Here's how you do deep listening. You know, here's how you do community organizing. Here's how you do conflict. And um, people would buy that, like, in droves by in this notebook. So we thought, well, we maybe should make that a book. So we did. And... Um, uh, Abingdon did that, and I might have those reversed. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, publishers. But it, it's very practical. It gets a lot of um, bought by congregations and um, really a how-to. Brian McLaren said, I didn't think it was going to be good how-to, but it is really first and then, you know, kind of thing. So that that's what I have in the world. Wow. I'm going to be working on a children's Bible at some point um, with one of my, with my colleague, Shannon Daly-Harris. We're going to work on a children's Bible nice. for 2024. And so I guess I'm an author, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. So, so the new book, you know, Fierce yeah. Mom, A Bold Path of Ferocious Courage and Rule-Breaking Kindness That Can Heal the World. There it is. Yay. So um, that book you had to finish in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the fire recovery and all this. How in the world did you do that? I have no <laughs> great, I mean, really grace upon grace. Uh, you know, I, I remember there was around Juneteenth, 2020. So we were March, April, May, June, four months into the pandemic. I had been thinking about this book for a really long time, Brian, meaning the content of why is religion so pain-inducing? Why are we weaponizing God? Why? What is wrong with us? What is wrong with humans that we do that? And how could I preach a sermon about it in a book? And you might have actually heard me in, in our time together talk about a grown-up God, getting a grown-up God. Yeah. And I, I, I think as Israel-Palestine, as Black Lives Matter, as churches resisting queer people and, you know, the Black queer women leading, I thought, actually, the church is kind of, like, that's too small. That's too small a box to put this love in, <laughs> you know. So I, I had been working on revolutionary love and the conferences. I realized that I was thinking about a really fierce, heart-demanding, not tepid, not codependent, 
um, risk-taking, bordery crossing, you know, ferocious kind of love that is the kind of love that makes makes people wade in the water when there's a storm like Katrina and risk getting sick or makes people go to the border with their masks on and stand up for justice or march in the streets, you know, for in, in London, in Paris, you know, for, for the value of George Floyd's life. It's, it's, it's to me scriptural for those of us who are Christian that we are taught to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we don't because we don't love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get there? So I, I thought I'm going to write a section on just how to love yourself and then how to really love your neighbor. What does that look like? It's not a concept, but really what does it look like to feel like you're bonded together? And then the final section is on how to love the world. And I feel really good about these nine chapters that are not so much how to, but just practically applied theology. It is practical theology and lots of good stories, some of, many of them mine, um, to say, see, you can do this too. Very cool. And my, my hope, my, you know, my hope, my passion is the world is just on fire with um, violence and pol- polarization and bad behavior and incivility and just rudeness and insurrections and book banning and like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. So can this book help us all find our way to a religion called simply called love? Well, let's hope so. I mean, it's so badly needed. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the practicality of what, you know, you've done in that book. So, um, yeah, thank so you. thank you for that. And I, I, I trust that it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. I hope so. I hope so. Folks can check it out. Um, There's some samples on my website, JackieJLewis.com. There's an audio sample. There's a, um, you know, a little piece of the book. You can always find those at Amazon too. So check it out. You can find yourself in this book. It's straightforward, honest, bold, call to action with (laughs) ways to step in the step in the river. That's called love. You know, we can do it together. So as you know, a lot of our audience are writers, and I always love to hear the stories of how people got their book deal, right? Because they're always so unique. So do you want to talk about either for this book or the previous books, you know, kind of how that magic happened? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to tell you about this book because it really did. I'm getting my internet is unstable, Brian. Can you hear me still? Yeah, hear no, it? we're fine. Okay, we're fine. Okay. Okay. Um, it really, it really did gestate for about nine years. Um, wow! I had a, a wonderful agent, Todd Schuster at Avitas, a creative, just hung in there with me. You know, we have lunch, and I'd say, "I think it's," and he'd say, "Well, can I think?" But there was a moment in time, Brian, where I remember it was a. So that would have been Thanksgiving of nineteen ish. I got a phone call from Todd, and he simply said. I think you're just about there. I think you're just about there in your proposal. Like, I feel like you're unlocking something. And I was like, okay, thank you. And then it was Christmas time, right? And then it was February and I kept writing. And I remember on a warm March day, I went outside because I love writing outside in my yard. And I was I had a coat on and I was writing and I, read a, I wrote a little bit um, of like a, the intro. 
and I read it to John, my husband, he just went, that's it. <laughs> so whenever, whenever I had been churning, I, I felt like I was pregnant with something and it just was time for it to come out. I mean, it just, it had, it had baked, right? It had cooked, it had gestated, it had come to full term and it was time to come out. And by the time I wrote that proposal, now I'm just, just is flowing out of me. And I wrote a thick proposal. You know, here's the intro and here's pretty much short versions of the nine chapters or short mm-hmm. versions of what I thought was going to be 12 chapters. And Todd and his team put it on a pretty letterhead. And then it was June and we had like, I don't know, 16 or 18 people talking to us about the book, different different parts of different companies. And so people were excited about it. It wasn't a straightforward, like, here's your anti-racist book. It's a here's your love book that deals with the stranger, the religious, the um, anti-racist in your family. I think it it was attractive in a way that it was a black woman in a multi-ethnic church writing about so it's pitched well. It's ridiculously candid. I feel so like people are going to be like, oh, really, Miss Girl? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what happened to you? <laughs> I just tell the truth of myself, inviting other people to do the same, Brian. So it's here. It came out. It came out. It came out. Well, it's wonderful. You know, I'm, re- I'm really glad that you persevered, you know, through uh, all the, the challenge and the time and the years and everything else that's been going on. So uh, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you, Brian. You know, we, we slowed it down. I should tell you that, that it was June, January 1, but when the fire happened, my publisher said, let's take a couple more months. And therefore, the fire is a character. And, you know, the the, the fire, the fears and fire have the same root, right? So... There's some kind of way in which the, the, the book gestates in the world that's happening, right? It gestates in the context of all the racial upheaval, but it also gets wrapped in the context of the fire. And I think that was a really, was fortunate to be able to have that show up in the book because then we slowed down just a bit. Good, good. Well, um, I know you mentioned that um, you've got some plans for, you know, uh, future books. Uh, we're we're going to be looking forward to those without a doubt. Um, but for now, um, you know, congratulations on this this new one. And uh, really hope that it um, helps a lot of people and, and enlightens a lot of people. So thank you. Thank, thank you, Brian. Thank you also for all the different ways that you're helping people to, you're helping people just take books and just take their voices. I think that you're, that's your calling. And I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It's it's really um, my pleasure to be able to do the small things that I do. So yeah, uh, it's great to partner with you, Jackie. So thanks so much. Thank you, Brian.